Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to New Jesus. Um, this is where we left off last week, and, and we're going to review that and then move forward. And last week, we talked about real change. And I might put the emphasis on the real instead of the change in those two words, because lots of people are trying to change, think they've changed when it's not really real change. It's more just coping or uh, settling for something that's not too bad versus the best life I can have, the best marriage I can have, the best career and work I can have, uh, real excellence in all areas, which is what makes you happiest during this life. And at the end of it, uh, to sit there on that rocking chair on the porch of the end of your life and have a great big huge smile on your face and warmth in your heart. Because, yeah, I made tons of mistakes, but I lived for what was right and best. I valued love above everything else. I did the best I could. When I messed up, I got up and kept trying. And I never reached perfection, maybe, but I got better and better and better. Thank God. Um, I'm not what I need to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be, okay? Uh, real change. Okay, well, in order to have real change, you have to go after what is of true value and worth, okay? No, it'd be ridiculous to change in order to go for something that is not as good as what you have now. Because change is painful, right? Any kind of change is it usually involves some degree of physical or non-physical pain. So you would only choose to change for something that is better than you got now. In other words, otherwise, otherwise that's a bad trade. Okay. So today is going to be about how do you determine value and worth so that that real change that you're paying for in the currency of pain in order to get through chaos to the other side, okay? Um, let me make sure it's worth it. Let me make sure the value and worth are at the end of that rainbow or, or at least on the other side of chaos, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we start, let me pray real quick. Father, thank you for this uh, beautiful, dark, overcast, rainy day in Nashville, Tennessee. Perfect day for a nap, <laughs> even though uh, I'm not going to be taking one. Uh, thank you for these wonderful people who are giving uh, me a few minutes of their time. Please let me say what you would have me say. Let me say nothing you would have me not say. Please lead me by your Spirit, and please open the hearts and guide them and guard them of everyone who might ever watch this. And may these be 
pleasing to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay, talking about value and worth. Um, about 20 years ago, right after the discovery of the healing codes, um, I was doing a lecture at a university. And a bunch of students were coming and people who weren't students. I was really surprised because it was about a, it was one of those curved, you know, conference halls, a really nice one at a university. Um, and it was full and there were people standing up, uh, you know, several hundred people. I would say at least 300, 350 people. I think they told me the capacity of the room was 350 people. Anyway, I had this all arranged in advance to see what would happen, okay? So um, most of the people there, they don't know who I am. They just know that this is a, a workshop about some new discoveries that can benefit your health in a new, exciting, and fast way compared to some other things, all right? That's about all they know. Uh, the university sent out some invitations, flyers were put out, people told people, some internet uh, advertisement, whatever. Anyway, um, so the night comes, the people show up, and um, uh, I'm a little bit nervous. This was my first university lecture, okay? But anyway, here's what we did. Um, we had vials like this. I, I held a vial like this. Um, that um, I basically held in my hand the whole time and talked about what the, this new discovery would allow them to do. And while I was talking, we made sure that some younger students were bringing in boxes and boxes and boxes filled with these and were very busy quietly over on the side, you know, categorizing them and getting them ready to sell and, you know, that sort of thing. They weren't disturbing anybody, but everybody was aware they were up there doing something with these things and that I had one in my hand, okay? And uh, so I started telling them about... Uh, the new discovery of the healing codes and what it could do in your life, that it could uh, uh, facilitate healing negative emotions in minutes or, or days. The uh, testing result with mainstream medical test was 86-87% effective in one six-minute session. Um, and uh, we did demonstrations with people uh, uh, you know, behind a curtain, and then they came back and, and all told how much better they felt, and their issue that was a 9 was down to a 1, 1 was a 10 that was a 0, and they were just glowing and hugged me, and I've never experienced anything in my life like that. I think, it, I think we did six people at once, all backstage and then brought them out to talk about their experience, but they didn't say what we did. I just kept holding up the vial. Okay, so for probably 30 minutes, we did all that kind of stuff, and I shared with them all the details, what it does, what it doesn't do, um, how fast the medical tests, testimonials, everything, okay? And then I start obviously wrapping it up and saying, okay, we've been talking about this. Now I'm going to give you a chance to um, get it for yourself and your family, and I kept holding this up, and we've got a supply over here, but we don't have an exhaustive supply, so there's like 350 people here, and we have like a month's supply for 200 people. So it'd be like the first 200 people. And I was doing this as an experiment, sort of, to see what would happen. An experience in belief related to value and worth, all right? So anyway, um, when I, my whole sales pitch was probably five minutes long, and I kid you not, 30 seconds into the sales pitch at the end, people all over the auditorium were grabbing their wallets and digging into their purses to get their credit cards, to get their cash, and they were, all, they were almost sort of like at a, a starting block 
of a race because they knew there's 350, but he's only got enough of this for 200, and I don't want to miss out, you know. And I even talked about how, you know, this is, a lot of people would consider this expensive, you know. It costs like um, $800, okay. But here's all the things it does, and you get a... Um, a year supply for $800, or it may have been two years, I don't remember. But anyway, um, even when they heard the price, $800, you know, they were still like ready. I mean, they'd already made their decision. I think they'd made it before I ever started selling, really. Um, and then I told them, okay, everything I have told you is true absolutely everything. The time amounts, what it does, everything is true. So how many of you want, want this tonight before you leave? Okay? If there were 350 people there, I know over 300 raised their hand. And I had helpers there, and they confirmed that. That it was almost everybody. And this is it. 800, 900 bucks, okay? Then I told them, okay, the one thing that is not true, even though I never said it, is it's not a liquid that you drink once a day. It is a six-minute process you do on yourself pointing your fingers and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, you can imagine the air just went out of that room, man. It's like, it's like you know, 90% of the people that had their hand up saying, yes, I've got my money, I've got my $800, and I'm ready to pay for it now. And they're trying to beat other people in line, and they're wanting two $800 worth. One person wanted 10 of them for 10 members of their family. So they were going to pay $8,000 that night, etc. Then when I told them what it was, that it wasn't anything you take, it's a process you do on your body. About 90% of the people who were going to buy did not want to buy anymore. Isn't that amazing? Um, simply because it's something you do on your body rather than something that you drink. All the science the same, all the test results the same, does exactly the same as I described, does exactly what those people that uh, did it backstage and came back just absolutely glowing, saying I've never felt anything. In spite of all of that, they could not get past in their belief and their mind as far as value and worth doing something like this as opposed to doing something like this. In other words, taking a pill or liquid or something like that has great value and worth to that group of people. Doing stuff like this has very little or almost no value and worth even though this does what this can't do. We've never discovered a pill or a liquid that, that does what the healing codes or some of these other top energy therapies will do. Okay, But that's, that wasn't my point today. My point is how they determine value and belief, and in this case, their determination was 100% wrong. That stuff that I had told them that, that this process did, and even according to medical tests, there not only wasn't a pill or liquid that would do that, there wasn't anything else on earth I was aware of at that time that would do that. I mean, it, it was like a miracle to my wife, to people with cancer, diabetes. I mean, we got emails, CAT scans, MRIs, blood work sent to us all the time. We have thousands of pages 
of testimonials from just about any and every health issue or life issue you could ever name. And it works consistently based on the medical test. But still, those people would not improve their life with this new breakthrough simply because of the form it was in. This instead of this. Okay? Value and worth here. No value and worth here. But they were absolutely wrong. The real value and worth was here and there was none here. Okay. So, are you doing that in your life? Have you been living your life that way and don't even know it? The people that were at that lecture that night, they didn't realize that they had been kind of brainwashed to give value and worth to some things inherently, whether they have any value and worth or not, and to totally disregard other things as not having value and worth even if they do and they don't know a thing about it. So how can you even make a judgment when you don't know a thing about it? But they still did. And their judgment was that there was no value and worth there. That it was here. And I believe most of my clients, and there's a good chance you, maybe you too, are assigning value and worth to things that don't have it or don't have much of it, or maybe even have a negative value and worth, meaning they detract from your life. They pull you back or hold you back. Or they make it harder for you to be happy and healthy. Okay? Uh, so, the other half, the other side of the coin, if you will, from choosing real change is making sure that what you're choosing has real value and worth and not fake value and worth. Okay? Um, if I had gone ahead and sold this, which is just water, to, to um, the people there that night and they would have bought it, you know what's interesting? About 30 to 33 percent of them would have experienced the positive benefits I had told them about every time I held this up. About a third of them would have experienced that and said, wow, was that guy right? This does exactly what he says. Those negative emotions have gone down and this stress has gone away and there was nothing in here but water. In fact, I did that experiment at another, at another meeting, okay? And people came, people went backstage and drank this, gave it five minutes, then checked in on their issue, then came back out on stage and tell people how, told people how miraculous it was. And then at the end of the day, I shared with them, that was nothing but tap water. Everything that happened there was your mind. Okay? And that's called the placebo effect. And it's about 30% on average and short-lived. Meaning those people that said this had changed their life if I had never told them it was tap water, they had just kept on believing this was some miracle thing, chances are almost all of them would have relapsed within about six months or less. Okay? Why? Because this was never anything but tap water. It, it, it didn't have the power. It didn't have the value and worth to do what they were wanting it to do in their life. Then there's the nocebo effect. The nocebo effect means that something has the power to do something, but because you believe it doesn't, it won't do that. Dr. Ben Johnson, a renowned medical doctor, cancer specialist that I traveled the world and lectured with for about four years because Dr. Ben was healed of ALS doing the healing codes, and so he wanted to give back and so for about four years, we traveled all over the world lecturing together. And um, Dr. Ben used to say, if you give someone an antibiotic, and it is the right antibiotic for the, what they have, if they absolutely believe the antibiotic won't work, it won't work. Now, they can have a belief, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, and it'll probably work or it'll work some, but if they absolutely have a belief that it won't work, 
It won't work. And he used to tell this story about a patient he had who was in his 30s. And he would come in every six months or so uh, for a checkup and had for years. And every time he came in, he would tell Dr. Ben, I'm afraid I'm going to die when I'm 40. And Ben inquired, of course, and he said, well, it's because my dad died at 40, my granddad died at 40, my great-granddad died at 40. So I just know I'm going to die at 40. And of course, Ben, you know, did all these tests and, you know, EEGs and EKGs, MRIs, CTs, blood work, everything. And the guy was healthy as a horse and told him that every time. But he would, nah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I just know I'm going to die at 40. Well, guess what? day he turns 40, he falls over and dies. They do an autopsy. And there is zero reason he should have died. He was healthy as a horse, but still fell over and died when he turned 40. Well, that may be a little of the placebo and a nocebo. He's believing that he's got something here that'll kill him. All right, that would be placebo because there wasn't anything. And then he also believes that his body's immune and healing systems can't stop that thing, whatever it is, because it didn't stop it for his father, grandfather, etc. And that was also a lie. So he was believing two lies about both sides of that scenario. And so uh, when he turned 40, his mind had been programmed, brainwashed, to believe this is what's going to happen and... His body just obeyed the order, basically, is my two cents. But anyway, no reason he should have died. Uh, some of you may, may have heard the, um, uh, there have been several cases of this in um, college social club initiations. Uh, some horrible things have happened there, and some states and universities have outlawed certain things, but uh, the one that I've always um, thought about the most was a true story. It was initiation night, and they took the pledges out, and, um, and there were two sets of railroad tracks side by side, okay, uh, real close together, okay? And so what they did is at the end of the initiation, they took the pledge, tied him up, gagged him, blindfolded him, and, and tied him to the train track, okay? And talked like this was it. He was going to die right here tonight. Is there anything you want us to tell loved ones for you? Things like that, okay? Well, he was on the track where the train was not coming. There was no danger. There was never any danger. But he could feel the vibrations from the track right beside where he was getting closer and closer and closer. Okay, well, long story short, the train comes by, he doesn't get touched, and he has a heart attack and dies. Why? Because he believed so much that he was going to die that his body obeyed. All right? Uh, that is placebo. That is also nocebo. It's both. But, when, but they're about 30% each. So when you put them together, you've got, you know, two times out of three or something like that. The third one, besides placebo and nocebo, is de facto. And de facto means you are believing the truth. It's not a lie. Uh, it, it's not nocebo. It's not placebo. It is de facto the truth. And I believe that's, that's where we find value and worth. Okay? In de facto truth, which is always love-based. Fear-based is falsehood and lies. Okay, all right? So, here's where we left off last week. And I'm going to try to get through this quickly, way quicker than last time. And here's our diagnostic with our 10 different diagnostics that we use to figure out 
where we are. And overall, you might kind of call this your peace compass, okay? And uh, peace is the only one of the major virtues you can't fake. It's like the light on your dashboard that tells you how your engine is, okay? Overall, overall. And then some of these other diagnostics are for more specific areas, but if you take all 10 of them together, there, it's impossible to not get a great read on where you are in your life right now. So I would highly recommend this. And then this is the belief diagramming that we use to start to change a belief from uh, placebo or nocebo to de facto. From fear, anger, hatred, forgiveness, self-interest to love. All right? And we don't try to change it. We pray and, we pray and meditate over it and ask that our mind, our heart, God will change it to the truth and to love-based. And we do that every day, okay? Until one day we look at this and we have an aha and our belief has changed. We didn't change it, but it was changed on us. It was done to us, for us, and in us but I didn't do it and you didn't do it. If you're doing it the way I'm sharing, okay? So get your diagnostics, start on the belief you want to work on first, all right? And then this is kind of how you do it until all these numbers are, either, are, are plus seven and above, negative and positive, all plus seven and above, okay? Um, all right, then you move on to something else. But how do you determine what is value and worth for your change? If you're going to change, you're only, you should only be changing for something of more value and worth than you already have. To climb a little higher on that mountain, okay? A little farther up the road, the high road, less traveled, okay? So, um, if if you decide to change, what I'm going to share today, I kind of see as an anatomy of love. This is kind of an anatomy of belief, all right? And, and how those beliefs determine where you are. Once you decide to change, you need to take a look at an anatomy of love and what builds a love-based change rather than a fear, selfishness, lie, falsehood-based change. Alright, so number one, choose change. And this is nothing to be taken lightly. Alright? Your unconscious mind is a million times more powerful than your conscious intention. So if your conscious intention says, I'm going to change. I'm going to start exercising and watching what I eat to get more healthy, let's say. But um, your unconscious mind says, no, you're not. We, are, we may not be great, but we are getting along fine. We're doing okay. We're relatively safe and secure. If you start losing weight and looking way better and getting out there in the world more and uh, meeting different kind of people and all kinds, who knows what can happen? Who knows what can happen? So the first thing is you have to choose change, but your unconscious mind won't really cooperate with you on this unless you're all in. Meaning, if your attitude is, okay, well, I'm going to try this, but I'm, I'm trying it. I'm going to put a toe in the water, see how it feels. If it feels good, I'll go further. If it keeps feeling good, I'll keep going further. But if it starts feeling bad, I'm turning back. Let me save you some time. If that's the way you're going to do it, don't, don't even start because it won't work. Your unconscious will not cooperate with you unless you are all in. Okay? Now that doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I make more than anyone I've ever seen. I make them every day. Alright? Uh, but, you can be fully committed and still make 10 mistakes a day. You just get back up and get back on the horse. Get back on the high road, etc. Alright, so if you choose change, you got to be all in. And don't fake that. Your, your unconscious knows if you're faking it and don't really mean it. 
So rather than fake it and start saying, okay, I choose this, the high road, the love, the whatever, but yeah, you're not, you're not really sure you're committed. You may be doing yourself a disservice if you do that. It would be better just to keep praying every day, please help me get to the place where I can be fully committed to change because that's ultimately what I want in my life, even though I don't feel like I can say that honestly now. So pray about it every day. There will come a day when your beliefs about that change, your feelings change, your thoughts change, and you just feel it and you know I can completely commit now. Well, do it then. I would do a little vow, a little ceremony, maybe get on your knees. Father, I fully commit to doing the best I can to live on this high road, to live by your grace, your kingdom, your love, uh, etc. I know I'll make all kinds of mistakes, but I am completely committed. No safety net, no expiration date for the rest of my life, no matter what, as best I can with your help, with your empowerment. All right. Once you do that, examine your beliefs. So do the diagnostics on whatever is the number one biggest problem area belief you want to start working on. All right. And determine where you are here, maybe both overall and for that particular belief, then diagram that belief to see exactly where you are. And, and where you're focusing here is you need to find out why. Okay? At least as best you can. A best educated guess from your heart, emotions, feelings, thoughts about why? So, if you remember, this was me and Hope back when she kicked me out of the house. All right, and um, there were some, and this is sort of my belief diagram of of that relationship at that time. The stress was horrible, minus eight. Uh, uh, I was believing a lie that I should have what I want. That was at a minus three. In-laws, minus seven with, this is unfair. I'm being treated unfairly, okay? Um, uh, expectation. We got married, expect, and I was expecting sex to be really big, three or four times a day, whatever. Uh, and then you sort of pray and meditate over that day after day after day until they change, and they will, but one of the things you need to figure out is, okay, let's take this sex one that was so big to me. It was one of the big reasons I got married, I guarantee you. And if I had known the sex was going to be the way it was, especially those first years when she was depressed, I may not have gotten married, all right? Because that was such a big deal to me. So right here, why, why? was that such a big, huge deal to me, okay? And what I've come up, in, up with in my own life is that, number one, it felt better than anything I had ever felt as far as instant gratification stuff. And with Hope, who I loved with all my heart, it wasn't just the physical feeling, it was also the spiritual, emotional, relational, you know, with me looking in her eyes and her looking in mine, and there's that connection that's beyond words, and oh man. But the why for me on that, I think, was just to feel good and to feel like I was a person of worth that someone else would want to do that with. You know, they were attracted to me. They thought I was a pretty decent person, etc. Sort of a compliment, right? Uh, you know, well, the problem was a lot of that stuff wasn't true, okay? Hope could love me with all her heart and did, but still didn't desire sex, but it had to do with the depression and brain chemicals and stuff like that. Well, I knew that at the time, 
I knew that at the time, so how come I didn't factor that in? How come when I thought about it, I would just get angry because I wasn't getting what I want? Because really, it wasn't about the sex. It was about my value and worth as a person. And when she rejected me this way, sexually, because she didn't feel that because of the depression, chemicals, and all that, she still loved me with all her heart. She just, because of a thing in her body that she couldn't control, didn't feel good about that at the time. But the way I took it is it devalues me as a person of worth and value, which was never true, okay? And most of these are the same way. In-laws, okay? Um... I got along with her dad, for the most part, very well right from the first. Her mom was a little different story, okay? Um, but, but, the reason I got upset about it is because it caused pain for me, all right? Well, I had a belief that I should not have to go through pain, especially this pain. Well, where in the heck did I get that? Everybody goes through pain. And lots of people go through much worse pain than I ever did with this same issue. So where in the world did that come from? It's a lie. It's a lie. And so the why here was, I deserve better than that. Okay? Which was a lie. Never, never was. Um, expectation. I mean, lot, things happen to people every day where they can't do what they had intended to do in good faith, all right? The problem here was my expectation. It wasn't that my expectation was that we would be happily ever after, all right? That's, a, that's up to God anyway. Nobody can control their future completely. You could walk outside the house and get run over today. All right? You could have a heart attack in bed tonight. All right? The wrong thing was my expectation. It wasn't what the expe expectation was about. It was the very fact that I had expectation about something that was not just up to me. And then all these other things further complicated it. But I treated it like there were no complications because I wanted it so much. And then became angry when I didn't get it. Okay? So, money. Money was one of our huge things, too. Well, have any of those money fears that Hope and I had 30 years ago, and, and it was minus 8, minus 9, okay? That's about as bad as it can get. That was one, like one of the biggest issues for Hope, which means it became one of mine because I was scared of how she would react if we didn't have money to pay the bills and stuff. But not one single thing that we worried about for years related to this one ever happened. So why were we so worried about it? We were believing another lie. Okay? That just because we didn't have much money, we weren't going to be okay. Alright? But God and life, at least... In my experience, if you keep, you know, there's an old thing, it's impossible to beat a person who won't give up, okay? Well, that's kind of how we're supposed to be. Just, you know, fall off, fall off the road from the high road to the low road, okay, dust yourself off, walk back up here, get back on the horse, back down more of the high road. You're going to get knocked off again, all right? Same thing, dust yourself off, back on the road. But... Go through and discover why, in your opinion, you had these wrong beliefs or to, to too big of an extent. A nocebo belief, a placebo belief versus a de facto belief. Okay? If all of these were de facto beliefs, there'd be no problem and everything would be in the positive. Okay? Interesting, huh? Just that one thing would make a complete difference. All right, so find out why. Number four, determine the current condition of your love beliefs versus business deal beliefs. Okay?
So, the love beliefs are, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forgiveness, significance, security, um, uh, spontaneous uh, kindness, you know, things like that. Okay, but what I'd like you to do next is find out the current condition when you do your diagram of the love versus the fear beliefs. Okay, so I want, okay, which was one of my big huge things. I want this and I'm upset if I don't get it. I don't want that and I'm upset if it happens. All right, so the current condition is really these diagnostics to get an overall picture and then the diagnostics again on a particular belief to get a picture of that belief. And then ask yourself on these, like um, uh, the thing with friends. The first thing I felt when I wasn't seeing my friends because of Hope's depression and her really needing and wanting me around and not leave her alone, the first thing was unfair. Well, why in the world did I go to unfair from that? Is she trying to be unfair? No, she wasn't trying to be unfair at all. She was trying to survive. Okay? So I, I placed an attitude and a reason for her grabbing me by the legs and begging me not to go. I, I determined a reason for that, and it was a reason in the negative. Unfairness. Well, how come I chose unfairness instead of uh, one in the positive, like, she's doing absolutely the best she can. Okay? Man, she is clawing every day by her fingernails, bloody and bruised, to try to make it through another day. And she's asking her husband for help. That's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. That's a positive thing. I never should have chosen that belief and thought over here in the negative. I should have chosen, this is completely fair. In fact, if I were in her situation, I, I would do the same thing and, and be hoping and praying that she will stay with me because I need her there. Okay? And, and that's true of any of these is there's a positive response you could choose or a negative response you could choose. Why are you choosing the negative and why are you not choosing the positive? Do a little soul searching on that and make some notes about it, okay? Um, basically for me, it's that I had chosen this path. That's the bottom line of it, but I told everybody and acted like I was on this path. Okay? So when that is what I've, it, when that's how I've determined to live my life, then sure, when things happen that are painful that I don't want to have happen, I choose the response in the negative, not the response in the positive. Because I'm, I'm on the road that leads to the negative outcome. Okay? All right? All right. Um, and we already talked about number two, the current condition and why those conditions. Why did I choose that when I could have chosen the other? Number seven, what is the cost and risk of number six? What is the cost and risk of changing from this road to this road when I am pretty much assured 100% it's going to be painful? Okay? For how long it's going to be painful, sometimes I might have an idea about that, but other times I don't have a clue at all. Alright? So, the cost and risk is more, more pain, even though my basic programming is to avoid pain and get away from pain at all costs. Alright? Well, that's risky, man, okay, because that pain may not ever go away, 
okay, in this lifetime, there's, there are a few situations where there's always going to be an element of pain there. You just can't get rid of it, all right? So count the cost and risk. Number eight, what are the advantages of choosing love in spite of the increased risk of pain for a season? Okay, what are the advantages of choosing love? And this one is easy. I end up here instead of here. And where the destination of this one is pain, chaos, failure, low self-worth, insignificance, insecurity, health problems. This one is just the opposite. Love, joy, peace, etc. But both of them have pain. Okay? So the, um, the advantages are that once I get through chaos, my life is going to be at a higher place. More love, more joy, more peace, okay? Better health, maybe even to great health, all right? Happier, healthier, all right? And when I'm at the end of my life on my front porch, that spontaneous smile and warmth in my heart as I remember my life, as opposed to a grinding, crushing regret and guilt when I look back at my life, okay? And to me, that's worth almost any pain. Okay, number nine, meditate and pray over the love versus fear belief factors, which we talked about a lot last week. So do not try to change these with left brain logic every day. Pray and meditate over them. Uh, ask that they be changed, okay? In you, for you, to you, all right? But be more and more aware that in every one of these situations, I can choose a positive virtue or I can choose a negative kind of seven deadly sins. Self-interest, selfishness, etc. On any of them. Alright? Where are your choices right now? They're going to be wherever you are on this continuum. If your average overall, considering all ten diagnostics, is minus four, then you're going to respond typically at a minus four response which is not to be an axe murderer or anything, but it probably is to be looking for the how, the, what does this do for me out of every situation versus what is love-based, truth-based, and win-win for everyone. Okay? All right. Uh, number 10, commit to love A. Again, you can't fool you're unconscious. It has to be a real commitment. Nothing held back. No safety net. No strings attached forever. No matter what, I'm committing to love, even if it means more pain and less pleasure. All right? And you can't fool your heart, so don't try to. Wait till you're there before you say those words. All right. Under committing to love A, four things. Recommit every day. I would say when you get up in the morning, a uh, little prayer and meditation time, even if it's only five minutes before you get out of bed. Uh, I love to pray and meditate at night. I'm kind of a night person, but whatever works for you. And then a couple of times during the day, too, I would, you know, pull out the sheet of whichever belief you're working on and recommit to love no matter what it brings. More pain, less pain, more pleasure, less pleasure, whatever. B, start again after every stumble. Every time, sorry, every time you fall here from high to low, or maybe you're here, you haven't even really chosen yet, and you stumble and fall. Or you're up here and you fall. Or you're down here and you fall. No matter when you mess up, realize it, dust yourself off, say you're sorry, get back up on the horse, go back up to the high road, start again. Sorry. 
Number C, love A versus love B. Confirm every single day that almost every choice I make is either coming out of a commitment to love A, which is if I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I get bad. Or love B. If I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I still get good long term. So recommit every day to that commitment to love B. Real love, not fake love. Or appearing a certain way, basically being an actor or actress when inside what you feel is very, very different. You've got to get back in harmony. And the reason you're not in harmony, if you're not, is you're too far to the negative over here. All right? It's more than psychological adaptation can overcome. And fourth, um, let your heart and conscience be the judge in every one of these situations. Let your heart and conscience be the judge, you know, of, of where you are here overall on di diagnostically and all these different diagnostics, but also in each of these items, factors about this particular belief issue um, let your conscience guide that. A and you will know when you are fully able to commit. You will also know, you'll feel it, if you move from a minus three to a plus three on something. You'll feel it, okay? So let your heart and conscience be the guide. Uh, and the leading of the Holy Spirit, of course. I, that's what I consider the heart leading to be, all right? Uh, in the end, after knowing all this from last week, this week, maybe a few other weeks before that, in the end, now that you know this, will you choose love or selfishness? What's right or selfishness? What's true or selfishness? What's best or selfishness? Those are about the only choices, okay? You are right now choosing one or the other, okay? Now, you may just be doing what everyone in your family has done for generations, and that is live at about a minus five over here, all right? That, that's where the term breaking the cycle came from that was popular in America in about the 70s, is um, these, these traits keep getting passed down from generation to generation to generation. Like, like alcoholism or drug addiction or, or sexual predators or chronic lying or, you know, there's, there's a bunch of them, okay? But that's normal when you're living over here. And psychological adaptation, if you're not too negative, can make you okay no matter what happens. But if you're about minus three or more to the negative, it's more than psychological adaptation can overcome. Okay? Um, the purpose of Eden was really old law versus new law. They were in a perfect place. God loved them. They loved God, evidently. Um, they didn't have to work hard, they were naked and unashamed, etc. But for there to really be love, they had to have a choice not to love. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the fruit on that tree, the one thing they were told not to do. Alright? Well, that was really old law. Okay? And they did it and they got thrown out of Eden and now man has to work, and woman has to have pain in childbirth, and man is fallen, and all this other stuff that came from that. And now we're big time into old law after the Garden of Eden, where there's 613 different laws about what to eat, what you can touch or not touch, what you have to wear. I mean, it's unbelievable. Or new law. Just love. And, and, it, and you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Just love in the present moment as best you can, and that's it. Okay? And I would say still today, it's about what will be your choice. Love or self-interest. Okay? 
Um, I hope and pray that's love. If so, last week should give you a really good feel for who and where you are and the and where the biggest problem issue of your life is as far as the belief and the wrong beliefs that are keeping that as a problem in your life. And then this week is sort of a step-by-step. Step. This is what you got to do if you truly are willing and make the decision to change and to seek value and worth in what and how and where and the way you live your life, okay? Which is the anatomy of love to me. So if you go through these and choose love, 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 what's, what's right, what's true, what's best, okay? If you do that, and this, you are living love. Against such, there is no law. Okay? Um, but, you have to decide 100% with nothing held back, and you know for a period of time you're probably going to experience more pain rather than less pain as you're transitioning, as these things are changing. Your unconscious mind may battle with you for a while because of all the lies in the unconscious mind, but if you keep at it one, one foot after the other, regardless of what comes, pain or pleasure, when you fall down, get back up, brush yourself off, get back on, until you get through these and commit to this, um, there's just absolutely no way your life is not going to change for the better. I believe it's literally impossible. If you do this, and you do this, it is guaranteed your life is going to get better, and for most of you, dramatically so. For some of you, miraculously so. Okay? So, if you're here for your life to get better, I believe last week and this week, I've shown you how. And it took me decades to discover this. And no, it's not what we tend to have value and worth about as far as feeling better. What we have the most value and worth about feeling better in our society today are pills, liquids, surgeries, things like that. Those are the things we trust. Those are the things we... Um, doctors are our gods. And that's not original with me. It's all over the place. Okay? Uh, I had a... Uh, when I was in ministry, one of my youth deacons was a medical doctor who went to a very fine medical school, said keeping his faith during medical school was the hardest thing he ever did. He said the very first day of medical school, the professor walked in the room, wrote in giant letters on the board, you are God, exclamation point, flipped around and addressed the class and pointed to what he'd written on the blackboard and said, any of you not willing to assume the position, leave now. Okay? And that's taken years to evolve, decades, hundreds of years. But what we see as God and of value and worth as far as feeling better are things like this. But that is a lie. Almost all of those things address nothing but symptoms not sources. What I'm talking about is biblical, scriptural, I believe, source healing. And if you remember from last week when I showed you the mechanism, we've got multiple double-blind studies on this thing. They show it not only works significantly, it's dr it works dramatically, way beyond significantly, on a number of different issues, published in peer-reviewed journals, that whole thing. Okay, well, 
I believe with all my heart that was given to me by God and, and, and love and prayer for my wife, okay? But anyway, it works. We can prove it. We've got the studies just like they've got the studies on the, on the drugs and liquid, on the pills and liquids, all right? But I believe this works at a spiritual level, at a heart level, okay? On all this junk that has devolved over several millennia. So anyway, um, real change and the anatomy of love and the anatomy of a successful, happiest, healthiest for you life. All right. Uh, think about it. Pray about it. Uh, send in your questions, comments, and have a wonderful, blessed day. And please, use it. Don't just watch this and say that's interesting. Um, if it resonates with you, pray about it. Uh, if it resonates, use it. All right? Have a wonderful, blessed day.